This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, welcome back to Freedom Fest here in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm sitting down with uh, Brad and Hannah from basedpolitics.com. And uh, how's it going, y'all? Pretty good. We're happy to be here. Don't you just love good Memphis? To see you, Charlie. Oh, um, yeah. It's a no. beautiful city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About that. <laughs> M- much better than Nashville, I think. Uh, not really. No, um, Freedom Fest, you guys have been coming now for three years, four years? This is my well, third year. Yeah. I got COVID last year, so oh. <laughs> I was supposed to be there, but had to miss Vegas. Well, you should have come for the super spreader event. I know. I thought yeah. about it, actually. I was like, <laughs> everybody there probably has COVID anyway. Yeah. We've all had it four times now anyway. Yeah. I have asked everyone what's the best venue that they have been to. Is it Vegas? Vegas. 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 I mean, is that I, because of all the partying or it's just a better setup? Or? I just think you have more amenities around to enjoy. I think conferences are fine. They're fun, but people want other activities to do. And South Dakota had very little. And the ones that they did have you couldn't get to because there was no rental cars no ubers i think people were renting u-haul vans to go to see mount rushmore if yeah. i remember right yeah that's right and then this year in memphis you just don't really want to walk outside because you might get mugged mm. so that's true that's <laughs> mostly true. the conference center for us so uh update us we've uh had hannah and brad both on the show separately and i think we've done one episode together so update mm-hmm. us on base politics how are things going well we're uh almost we're past our one year mark uh, and Happy so, anniversary. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, so we've been focusing on this full time since October, really trying to create content, Instagram reels, TikTok, YouTube podcasts to reach Gen Z and millennials with a pro freedom message, because whether we like it or not, and it pains in my heart as a journalist at by trade, people don't really read articles very much anymore. Well, very few people, fewer and fewer people watch cable news, but everybody, all the young people get their information and news from TikTok. TikTok is now the second largest search engine after Google, I believe. It's definitely one of the top search engines among Gen Z. They search for information inside TikTok Mm. now. And so if people on the right say China bad, communism bad, and just seed these platforms, then literally the progressive, big government, socialist, insane woke voices will just dominate. So it's heavily censorious, but that's part of why we're trying to counter program it because if we just focus on the old ways of doing things, then we're 10 steps behind when it comes to getting the message out there. I have seen y'all on TikTok quite a bit separately and together, which I think is cool. It's one thing I've talked to Nate about is like, we probably need to get better about being separate, but also together. We think, so talk about yeah. your strategy there. We always wanted base politics to sort of be a hub, right? I think people don't trust organizations anymore. They trust individuals. They trust in influencers that they follow, independent journalists. Brad and I have a lot of overlap in our audiences because we've been working together for some time. But we also have distinct you know, people in our audiences. We have people who like me better. There's people who like Brad better. There's people who click with Brad or identify with him. And there's people who click with me and identify with me. We're, we're not the same person. We have very similar views, but there's different aspects aspects about us that I think attract different you have people. Different haters. And too. that's a great thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean truly. And I think that that's, you know, kind of the beauty of it is is base politics is sort of the umbrella that content can live under. It's sort of, you know, the branding that we're sharing so that people have a, a central place to find us, but it will always be driven by the personalities, by the in- individuals, right. by the names. You're never going to see a base politics Twitter. You're going to see Hannah Cox, Brad Palumbo, and hopefully eventually as we grow other influencers. We want to build a libertarian daily wire at Essence. Okay. 
um, or a classically liberal, pro-freedom, whatever you want to call it. We don't brand with the word libertarian explicitly very much. Uh, has a lot of baggage. But yeah, that idea, because right now, whether we like it or not, infotainment is the way of the future. Uh, and if we don't make creative um, content that is engaging and entertaining, but spreads ideas and shapes discussion of the news, other people will. And it will be the theocrats of the world, the Michael Knowles of the world. It will be the social authoritarians, the Matt Walsh's of the world. And if that's the only option that the right has on offering on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, is these viral voices from these far right perspectives that are just totally out of line with what anything close to what most young people these days believe in, then they're not going to be open to that alternative and they'll just stick with the left. You actually have to offer them something different, an actual live and let live, an actual belief in individual freedom, in economic freedom, in civil liberties, not just what I essentially call right-wing woke, which is we're going to use the government to push our beliefs and force you to live how we want. It's just going to be the Catholic version instead of the they-them woke social justice warrior. And to me, that's just putting a ribbon on a turd. It's still a turd. It's still the same toxic idea of rejecting America's founding spirit of pluralism, of classical liberalism, of people living side by side with different values and just accepting that. And I'm really disturbed by that rise, and I refuse to cede the discourse to those voices on the right who are abandoning capitalism, embracing crony capitalist, populist, protectionist, failed economic policies. Even, I mean, Tucker Carlson, for goodness sake, approvingly cited Elizabeth Warren's economic agenda. <laughs> You're a Republican, and you find yourself agreeing with Elizabeth Warren? You need to slap yourself awake with basic economics textbooks right. because something has gone horribly wrong. And so we refuse to cede the territory to those voices on the right because we don't want them to win out. But I think there's a lot of work to be done. I think the average person doesn't really understand just how far the Republican Party and just conservative movement as a whole is moving away from capitalism and individual liberty. And it's open, right? This used to be something where they were never totally living up to their principles, but they'd at least fake it and phone it home. Now you have people at CPAC openly saying, I don't think capitalism is the way forward. I think we need government intervention in this. You have people like Josh Hawley who are rising on the right and are increasingly speaking for it. I think that not only is a huge turnoff to people of younger generations that we need to be attracting, I also think that it's detrimental right now and in the here and now with public policy and where it's going. And if we don't really fight back on that, if we don't really come in and push those people back on the right and say, no, that's not what we believe in. That's not what we stand for. Go join the left because you're closer to them than these traditional values we've espoused. And I think that needs to be exposed. Um, but there's not a lot of media doing that right now. Right. Most of the right wing media has fallen in lockstep with that and is buying into that vision. It's become very nationalist at times in their views. So we really think that you need something like base politics to educate people, to point out the differences in what is capitalism what is not, and to really ensure that people know what's happening behind the scenes and on the ground. Like authoritarianism is authoritarianism. It doesn't matter. Right. But So I, I have a deeper question, which is a two-part question, really. So the underlying issue here, I think, goes deeper than politics, right? Because you have the religion of the left and the religion of the right. That's how they behave. It's very religious, right? If you're not with me, you're against me. And I think, mm -hmm. I actually think Jordan Peterson actually called this out perfectly in 2016, despite whatever disagreements, disagreements disagreements we may have with them on other things. But he talked about identity politics and how the rise on the left is going to lead to the rise on the right. And you're mm. going to have this infighting, yeah. right? Which is what we're seeing play out, okay? And you, you're having now the right rise up 
in opposition to the left, but they're using the same tactics. Right. It's an overcorrection. So, right. An overcorrection. So, but most people are still in the middle, right? Most mm-hmm. people still want to be free, to not be controlled. But what do they hold, what do they grab onto, right? Because you see these authority figures on the right rising up that are gaining popularity. Same thing on the left, gaining popularity. People basically cult-like principles with Donald Trump mm-hmm. and Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro and these other people they're following. Same thing on the left. So who's in the middle or liberty-loving, not even who, but what? Well, I think what solutions. What can we do? I think that's what most people are looking for is they're looking for solutions. I think we agree largely on the problems that we're facing. People lack a fundamental understanding of the genesis of those problems. And so on both the left and right, you see them prescribing solutions that are really more of what created the problem in the first place, which is more government, more authoritarianism. I think when you can go to people and say, listen, I validate the fact that this is deeply concerning to you, that you can't pay your health care bills, that you feel like you can't get ahead with your wages. And there's a real reason for that. And here's a concrete policy that we could pass that would fix that. And here's, a, here's something we could do locally. Here's something we can do at the state level. We've already seen with our content. You know, we think that content moves the culture and that politics flows downstream from that. We also think that immediately content can influence public policy and can be really a carrot and stick for, for policymakers and exposing what's going on and elevating good ideas and shouting down bad ideas and mobilizing people online and building digital coalitions that can apply public pressure on lawmakers. We've seen lawmakers literally come out in favor of policies in response to our content and our social media platforms. So I think showing people these are the solutions, like we were really involved with getting rid of certificate of need in South Carolina this year. That's a huge monopoly healthcare system Mm-hmm. The government has backed that is a, a major reason why healthcare has become so expensive because you're limiting supply, demand keeps increasing the population, you get really high healthcare costs. Uh, when we first started doing content on that, everyone was like, you're never going to be able to get interest in that. That's very dry, that's very wonky. But the opposite was true. We had a tremendous outpouring of interest in that. We had people across states starting to get involved, tagging their lawmakers in response to our post, saying, what's going on in our state with this? What are we doing about this? And ultimately, we overturned certificate of need in South Carolina alongside activists on the ground. What's the strategy for like the virility of content like that? Because it doesn't seem to get as much notice as like Ben right. Shapiro destroys trans. Part of what you activists. have to do so is like, how do we? What's the strategy? What's the strategy for? Well, that do message? a little bit of both. So you sometimes you bring the eyeballs in with a little bit more inflammatory or like uh, surface level content, and then they stay for the the policy stuff. Hopefully. But also sometimes you can frame the policy stuff in interesting ways that makes it more attention grabbing. So one of Hannah's first articles about certificate of need, if we put like in the headline, like certificate of need reform advances in South Carolina or something, nobody's really going to be interested in that. But when we frame it as this corrupt healthcare law might be wiped from the books soon or something, like there are ways to make it more interesting to people. And that's a big part of what we do because People in the liberty movement are great about ideas. They're not very great at like reaching the public with those ideas in either making it accessible and not sounding like dorks and academics and also meeting the public where they're at about the things they care about rather than the things you think they should care about, which is two very different things. It's not even a Venn diagram. It's two circles in many cases. So that's part of what we do. And then also you try to attach substantive discourse um, to inflammatory news items. A great example of this is the Titanic submersible story uh, where we were, we were really horrified to see, uh, but there was a lot of discourse online that was dehumanizing the people who died because they were rich or some right. of them were, not all. And to me, uh, we, we 
pushed back on that and commented on that and connected it to a broader philosophy. The philosophy behind eat the rich that is commonplace among progressives is the same philosophy that results in you cheering the death of people at the bottom who are trapped at the bottom of the ocean with the Titanic submersible. Right. And it's a great opportunity to connect the story everyone cares about to bigger picture ideas that actually are more prevalent than you'd suspect uh, and point out why they're so wrong, why they're so dehumanizing, so immoral. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing we're trying to do. And I think with content too, you know, it's not just getting the clicks. You can really drive engagement with it. People want to win and they want to feel like they can be a part of something. They want to affect change. And so if you're providing them ways through your content to not only identify solutions, but then to also get involved and raise their voices about it or participate in it, I think that that, you know, algorithmically drives more views in itself, but right. it also gets people to be really invested in the work that you're doing because it feels, and it is a lot bigger than just reading an article or watching a video. It's more of an, an activist kind of media strategy and so I think that there's a bit of that involved in our content as well that has been really important and that I think needs to continue to grow. On the left, I've worked for left-wing organizations doing criminal justice reform. They have whole departments that are dedicated to what they call organizing and, and now they're starting to do that online even. The right's never done that. I've never seen an organizing department or a director right. of organizing at a right-wing think tank. And it's we really lack in that. We don't do the on-the-ground work of going in, meeting people, engaging them on policies that actually impact them, building diverse coalitions. And it's amazing because with the age of information, the digital era, we have so many tools to do that with. And I think that that's why base politics matters. It's a good organizing hub for people to kind of come together, find solutions, and start getting involved past just consuming information. Right. I ask that selfishly in a way, because here at Good Morning Liberty, our like our most viral, or our, our, let's say our most viral video on TikTok seems to be us just laughing at a video of, of Fetterman, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, trying to yeah. talk. Um, that's it's gone crazy viral, which is just weird. And we've had other videos that are decent, but nothing like that. I mean, it's just exploded. Mm -hmm. Our most popular episode of the week every week is Dumb Bleep of the Week, where yeah. we just find the stupidest things. That's the one I tune into the most often. <laughs> See? See? And so, okay. The market wants what it wants. Okay. How do you, okay. So how do you balance that? Well, right. And so yeah. I guess, I think what you said is important, which is like, sometimes you just get the eyeballs in. It's both. And then they, maybe they're entertained. And yeah. so now they're starting to pay attention. But what you have to avoid is the clickbait audience capture trap of just doing more of that because that's what the incentives are and not doing, you know, you, you've got to have your bread, right? You're like carbs or whatever, but you actually have to have some substance to your diet right. too. Uh, and, and it's really hard because you see a lot of people who start out doing a mix and then just get captured by the clicks and the attention that come with covering inflammatory things. And then they get noticed when they say something extreme. So they keep saying something more and more extreme to keep getting that attention. And before you know it, you've sold your soul. Before you know it, you've become something unrecognizable. But you can also become president. You can also become president. Like you never you can become so a I massive mean, always <laughs> troll yourself into the world. Multi-millionaire, daily I'm, wire host. I mean I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying how do we But this is one reason we actually candidly decided to go the nonprofit route versus being a for profit um, media type organization is we were worried about these things. You know, I, I we love the free market, but if we're being honest, the market isn't where we are right now, not only as far as the issues we want to talk about, but sometimes ideologically. And we need to be able to make content that can reach people and be engaging and be young and fun, but not be so dependent on the clicks on that, that that's like what we have to feed ourselves right, with, right, you know, right. because I think that that leads to a really bad hamster wheel that we wanted to avoid. And like we're focusing on Instagram and every time as one of our main platforms to reach people. And every time I make a Instagram video criticizing a Republican, I lose several hundred followers. 
And then I gain a bunch more shitting on woke people or Democrat politicians or whatever. And then I do it again and I lose the followers again. And I keep doing that because I'm not 100% dependent on this audience to keep my money coming in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is the benefit of a nonprofit media model, which in a way is still free market because donations are all voluntary, right? Nobody's forced to give us a dime and we don't take government money or anything like that. But it's a different time type of uh, system than a traditional just chasing clicks market-based system, which it's hard for me to say as a libertarian, but really hasn't worked out very well for media. Yeah. Uh, well, now, I certainly don't believe in state-run media, which would be worse for many reasons. But it's the, the state of the media is not great. The profit chase has not resulted in the best outcomes, I don't think. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I don't have time to think through that right now. But. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Well, and for donors and people who are interested in this kind of work, I think it's really important to realize, too, that the wins you see on the right and on the left are not really organic. You know, when you talk about Daily Wire, they've been very successful, but they're spending millions of dollars to launch each new host they have. I think they spent something like $500,000 per year for three years to build Ben Shapiro's brand. They continue to do that for new personalities. And then they have the, you know, million plus YouTube followers to also pitch the new people they add. It becomes a snowball effect. But this didn't just happen overnight. And I think that that's a huge flaw when it comes to people who are like, well, how do you win in the media? And they think it's just organic. It's like, no, they're putting up the money right. <laughs> to play in this yeah. space. They're paying for ads. They're paying for all eyeballs. All of this costs money. <laughs> it all costs a lot of money to yeah. do. The left is putting the money up. The right's putting the money up. The liberty movement needs to start putting the money up to actually compete in the marketplace of ideas and have more visibility for the things that we're saying and to work against things like the algorithms that are often you know, not working in our favor to begin with. And we're working up against cultures. So we're going up against a lot. We need to have the money to fund that to really come in. And I think if we do it, if we get in front of people, we can win. It works. We have the winning ideas. We can galvanize support. It is exciting to people to hear a nuanced way of thinking through things. I think you're 100% right that most Americans are not over here on the fringes. They mm -hmm. are in the middle. They aren't being represented. They're hungry for it. But we have to have the money to overcome those barriers to get in front of them and organize them. And speaking of that, so let's move on. You guys have both been on Kennedy before who was let go from Fox among our other, icon yeah. from Fox business. Yeah. Among other folks. So uh, what is, what is happening in the media right now that it's shifting some of those maybe more favorable libertarian voices away that we kind of had in our corner, uh, even judge Napolitano and some other people that have been on Fox. What's happening right now in the media? Talk about your sadness or whatever you want to talk about with that situation. Yeah, we're so sad uh, for Kennedy to be canceled. Uh, it was she's an, here, by the way. She's the MC. Oh, of yeah. We, and she's, yeah, we got awesome, to see her. She's, and she's still at Fox. She's still on the main channel. She's still, she's still a contributor and so. she's still doing great. But her show is canceled, of course, on Fox Business. And that's a shame because we were both on it. And it was just a great show. It was one of the only shows on Fox I actually would tune into, to be honest. Um, and I think, honestly, in that case, most likely she was just a victim of other circumstances and financial losses that affected the company. So really wasn't anything about her show that was bad or failing. It was just bigger picture stuff that was beyond her control. Um, and so I don't, I don't really, it's not part of some ideological purge or anything. It's definitely not, but it is hard because we don't have enough personalities on the, the Liberty right, basically who have that mainstream appeal and that likability and that ability to break down the message. We only have a few, so then it's easy for them to kind of just things go awry here or there. Whereas for other ideologies and movements, they've got a bench of people, of personalities, of talking heads, whatever. We just don't really have that, which is part of what we want to build at Base Politics is other influencers and voices and really build them out as individual personalities and profiles 
so that there, are, there will be more people out there engaging in debates, going on mainstream networks, uh, influencing the conversation on social media. Uh, and I think that's a, a casualty. What we're seeing right now is when you only have a few people, well, misfortune can befall them and then you have no one. Right. Yeah. So that's why we need a deeper bench, I think. But I also think what happened at Fox uh, is happening across many other news outlets at the moment. I think Kennedy is an icon is going to continue to thrive in whatever she does next. But I think she is, you know, in an infrastructure that is starting to fail. And they, it's like the book, Who Moved My Cheese? The cheese has been moved. The mainstream media outlets, especially cable news and the newspapers, have not figured out how to create new business models that actually generate revenue, that actually connect with people and click with people. And I feel like that's been going on for a number of years, actually. This has been happening more and more behind the scenes. Viewership has been going down. Ad revenue has been going CNN down. Plus failed I mean, massively. they've tried to do these digital outlets. But I think, you know, their failures kind of speak to what we're saying with base politics of like, this is not where the trends are going. People don't trust organizations anymore. It's not just that you're not on TikTok, you know, as, a, as an organization. It's that that's not how people consume news anymore. They want to hear from an influencer who they trust, who doesn't seem particularly partisan, and who they connect with, right? And you have to build up the personalities, and you have to focus on the digital spaces, and it needs to be the names driving it, not the organizations and their, you know, platforms or their websites or their channels. So I think that there's a fundamental flaw in how this is being approached, and that's why I think you continue to see massive layoffs across all the news networks. ESPN just fired a ton of people the mm -hmm. other week. It's not, you know, Fox had a huge hit with that lawsuit. I don't think people quite understand just how damaging that was financially to the company. And so I think that's going, we're going to continue to see the ripple effects of that. But I don't think that they're an outlier. Fox was doing better compared to competitors for some time. It's now had this setback and I think is now kind of experiencing the same market trends as others. So where do we go from here? Do things get worse before they get better? Mm. Or oh. can we slowly trickle in some hope? Hmm. I think it's not that I want to have any hope. Yeah. <laughs> hope is but dangerous. According it is to the very dangerous. <laughs> I think it's complicated. I think something like progress isn't linear. So some areas and some things will continue to get worse. But in other areas, I think you might start to see things get better. I mean, I feel like a lot of the population has woken up to uh, COVID has shown us like the, the harms of teachers unions fighting to keep schools closed. So maybe debate on those issues will move in a positive direction. At the same time, I think support for free speech is tenuous and not looking great on either side. And that might be declining. So I would say, for me, it's a mix of hope and concern about where things are headed. I don't think it's going to be all bad or all good. I think to do this work, I find it to be a requirement to take an optimistic view. Or I don't think I could keep doing it. So I'm kind <laughs> of in the Martin Luther King Jr. camp of, I think, the arc of justice is on our side. And it's long, but it will come about. I do think if you look at history that's that's been our history there's right. been a lot of really shitty things that have happened but over time things have gotten better and i think they will continue to get better i personally find a lot of encouragement looking at the states um you know there's problems there too to be sure but we win we win at the state level all the time and it's really exciting and i think a lot of people just aren't even aware of how often we're getting really important things done and getting things done with bipartisan vote counts and input. And that to me is um, incredibly exciting, not only because it proves that we can have success, but because it's so easy for people to get involved at the state level. Right. You know, it doesn't take much to influence your state lawmaker or senator. There's, if they get 10 phone calls all in something, they're, you know, hiding in a closet. Like, <laughs> they're terrified. They're yeah. like, what? Somebody's paying attention to me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that people should, um, you know, be optimistic and take action and, and feel empowered because I think 
we've got more tools at our disposal than ever before. You know, compared to anybody else who's been trying to go up against oppression, trying to go up against a government in history, just the fact that we have the internet gives us so much more power um, and transparency over what's right. happening. So. Uh, that's that's how I choose to look at it. Some days I wake up with not that attitude. But you ever cry yourself to sleep <laughs> yeah, sometimes? sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so no. I, I agree with that. Like when I look at local politics or state level or some of the wins that we've had or talking to everyday people, there's so much hope and optimism. I'm genu- I'm like genuinely an optimistic person. But when I look at the broad, the macro culture, right, and it tends to be like more narcissistic, there's no truth, there's a lot of nihilism, everyone's chasing what seems to be some type of religion to grab onto. Um, it, it like brings about such despair and it's like, okay, how do we coincide these two or how do we like bring it together? I think is sometimes what I struggle with. And then I go talk to some, I talk to you guys and now I'm like, yeah, Liberty's going to win. So <laughs> well, that's how we want to leave people feeling. Yeah, that's right. Join All our right. cause. <laughs> well, it was great to talk to you both again. I'm glad that you're Likewise. here. Tell everyone where they can find Debase Politics and uh, anything right. anything exciting you guys have coming up. First and foremost, check out the Base Politics podcast hosted by the two of us. If you like Good Morning Liberty, you'd probably like our show too. Um, and yeah, other than that, our website, our social media channels, all that. Website is base-politics.com. Like we said, you can find us at our respective platforms, Hannah Cox, Brad Palumbo, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. We're all over. <laughs> You Hannah can't Co- escape us. <laughs> Hannah Cox, Brad Palumbo, thanks again. Thanks, thanks so much, Charlie.